0: What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name is Ken Swanson. I'm the lead film and draft analyst at Arrowhead Pride. This is the AP Laboratory where myself, Craig Stout, and Matt Lane all get together to talk about last week's game, look ahead to next week's opponents. And uh, this is the first time that we have had to talk to you guys after a loss. It's kind of weird, not used to it. I don't want to get used to it. I don't think we really will. Um, this team is still good, and uh, we'll talk a lot about that here today. Obviously, still some issues with the defensive side of the football. Uh, a lot to complain about there, but we'll, we'll cover it all. We'll talk about it from every angle we possibly can. First, wanted to talk a little bit about Patrick Mahomes. As we do every week, we kick this thing off with a little Mahomes talk, and why wouldn't we? Um, you know, it, it was uh it was an interesting first half uh for him with, with that game. Uh, I thought the Patriots did some really interesting things to try to uh, to confuse the kid, make him think a little bit harder, and, and they kind of succeeded. Um, you saw some snaps where they uh, had a lot of guys standing up at the uh, at the line of scrimmage. A lot of pl- a lot of players just kind of near the line of scrimmage, really trying to, to muddy up his uh, his, his uh, protection IDs and all that stuff. Um, and I think that caught him a couple times. You also saw that uh, they, they were kind of moving players late. That's one thing that I kind of noticed uh, continuing to watch this game a little bit more is, you know, Mahomes would identify a mic, he'd set the protection, and then the Patriots were late to move a guy kind of changing some potential responsibilities for the protection or the coverage to kind of confuse them. And I think that got him a few times too. Um, so they did some stuff like that. Uh, obviously on one of the interceptions, uh, Mahomes lost an underneath defender. Um, that's kind of something that myself and Matt and Craig have kind of talked about a lot. You saw it a little bit in training camp. Um, that every now and then, and, and you saw it a couple of times, you know, throughout the season too. I think I think Mahomes loses underneath coverage, underneath defenders, uh, in coverage sometimes, and I think you noticed that um, he lost him. He lost uh, Dante Hightower. Thought he had Kelsey clear on a crosser. And, uh, and and high tower undercut it. It wasn't great. Um, it was uh, it wasn't a good play. But um, I think I think you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna catch him every now and then with that. But I do think that's one of those things that he'll continue to respond with. Um, but you know there was there was a lot of good things on that on, on, on in his performance too that we need to talk about as well. Um, the response was fantastic, and we're gonna talk a lot about that on Thursday. Um, I thought the response by Mahomes was exceptional. You know, he got you know he he got caught with a couple interceptions, a couple bad mistakes, uh, a little bit confused at times in the first half. What did he do? He responded with explosive plays, big plays to score touchdowns, and uh, threw four in the second half. Um, got it started off on on a third and two uh, early in the second half. You know they ran a they ran a play that they've kind of been running a lot with you know Kareem Hunt free releasing into the uh, into a swing route uh, Travis Kelsey kind of playing a, an over the ball kind of curl and then in Hill behind him uh, Mahomes wanted to hit Hunt he wasn't available he was he was covered the I think the corner went out with him uh, and so Mahomes had to improvise he scrolled ran he scrambled right rolled right uh, Kareem you know streaked down the field. And and Pat hit him and it was it was an impressive play Um, So, you know, you saw you saw the response and I think that's what should get fans excited I'm not scared of of the Patriots anymore after that game after watching the second half of that game I know the defense was hobbled and I know the defense struggled I'm not scared of them. I'm not scared of the Patriots. It's uh, it's a it's a good football team I think Pat can go out and do similar things to what he did in the second half uh, for a more sustainable amount of time and, and beat Tom Brady and beat the Patriots down the road. Um, Patrick Mahomes is everything you've ever thought he was going to be and more. He's going to reach his ceiling and he can go toe to toe with anybody. And we saw that uh, last night or Sunday night. So, um, that's that's kind of where I'm at with Pat. I think we're inching kind of closer and closer to the point where it doesn't matter what defenses do. It doesn't matter what's happening around him and around his team. Offensive linemen hurt defen- uh, defense defensive players hurt. It doesn't matter. Um, Mahomes is the real deal, and he's gonna find a way to to kind of you know help this team rise above the occasion. We're inching closer to a franchise quarterback and I think we pretty much have one already um, we're gonna talk to we're gonna talk to Maddie Lane about uh, a couple offensive guys get you an idea about the Bengals defense then we'll talk to Craig about the defensive side of the football uh, after that so uh, we'll uh, we'll bring Matt on here right now you can find him on Twitter at chief in Carolina his name's Maddie Lane what's going on my man oh not much Kent how you doing It's kinda weird doing this after a loss, man. Yeah. And it's probably gonna be the last time ever, so you know, don't get used to it. Right. So the last time we'll ever experience a loss on this pod, and we're gonna be doing it for six more seasons. I calling it right now Ooh, six six, what's happening? Six Super Bowls in a row with Patrick Mahomes.
1: What happens after the sixth year?
0: Uh we all retire because it's just it's too much okay i'll take it <laughs> hey uh so i'm gonna do something different here matt we have like way too many ap nerd squad mailbag <laughs> questions so i'm gonna start throwing some in into some of our segments here and it was something we were gonna talk about anyway so it's just perfect uh at oc Jet Bart asks can we talk about the disappearance of sammy Watkins last night on a night where uh patrick mahomes threw for 400 yards and kelsey was getting bracketed in coverage in the red zone. What happened, Matthew?
1: Oh, we can talk about it, OC Jet Bart. The first thing (laughs) we can do is slip on over to the Twitter page at Chief in Carolina. We got a whole thread dedicated to Sammy Watkins being, and these aren't even just things where he's kind of open. We got a whole thread dedicated to him being wide open and the ball just not being thrown his way. Most of these plays ended up being completions to somebody else. So it's not as if Mahomes was bad on them. It's just, and there was a couple misses, but just for the most part, Mahomes doesn't seem to have quite as much trust in Watkins as he does in Hill and Kelsey, just generally. And then beyond that, I do think Watkins was kind of having the tougher matchup, so to speak, since he kind of had Stephon Gilmore shadowing him all over the field for the game and the Patriots just elected to let Tyree Kill do whatever he wants. I mean, can we talk about why Tyree Kill was so wide open so often in a game? Right,
0: right. You're so, exactly right.
1: Yeah, so I think the Patriots not necessarily were trying to take away Sammy Watkins, but in typical Bill Belichick fashion, they're putting their best corner, so to speak, on the second best receiving option. And still, like I said, Sammy Watkins, I think I put up seven plays where he was definitely open like NFL open and you complete even five of those I mean we're looking at a guy that's probably close to 100 over 100 yards depending if you hit the couple of the big ones that were out there but a guy that gets close to 100 yards and a touchdown or two so it's not like he was bad by any means he just didn't get the looks
0: no I I, I totally agree and I, I tweeted something out today Sam Watkins is pacing for about a thousand yards from scrimmage still even with all this concern right now if you take away the get
1: three dud games this one an injured game in the first game of the year he kind of didn't do a whole lot
0: i i took away i took out the game where he basically didn't play in denver and the rest of the games he's gotten 322 yards so it's like look i mean if sammy Watkins was the only guy on this offense i think they would be forging uh, the the chemistry and force feeding Pat or force feeding Sammy Watkins and it and he would be just fine, but they're not really like they're not forced to try to to create this chemistry between Pat and Sam right now. It's there's there's too many guys getting open right now. Sam's doing his job with the opportunities he's being given. And I think he's part of the reason that the rest of the offense is having success because that's a problem. If you don't pay attention to him, he's going to beat you
1: for sure. And yeah, he's definitely still learning too. There's multiple plays every game where you see Pat going through changing plays at the last game of the line of scrimmage. And you'll see Watkins put his hands up to back to the quarterback and then outside to the receiver closest to him. Like just what do I need to do? Right. So he's still trying to get it all clicked in. He's learned every position. You watch Sammy Watkins play. He plays X. He plays in the slot. He plays Z. He plays everywhere. So he's not getting that first-year Andy Reid wide receiver treatment where he gets to just play one position. He's had to learn everything at the drop of a dime, and he's still getting there. And I think it kind of shows. Pat trusts Kelsey the most, it seems like. And then after that, he's looking for Hill, it seems like, more than Watkins. The only time Watkins seems to get looks right now is when the play's designed specifically for him. And I'm not saying that's right or wrong. It's just there's plenty of plays where he's getting open that either somebody else just happens to get open and happens to be an earlier progression, or just Watkins isn't part of the play.
0: Right. I mean, the shot plays are going to Ty Hill, as they should, and the third downs are going to Travis Kelsey. I mean, if you boil it down to that, like there's just you know sam's there and he's gonna get his opportunities as time goes along if travis kelsey gets hurt sam's gonna be more involved but and, and I, I it's it's not i'm not irritated because i mean look the, don't get too picky the offense is dynamic sammy Watkins is still probably gonna get over a thousand yards this year and uh that's just it's it's kind of just it's been weird to kind of watch this he's good And he's going to get better over time.
1: And this New England game, I think it was pretty clear that we love the matchup of Kareem Hunt versus the New England linebackers. So if we're not going to Hill on the shot plays and we're not looking for Kelsey as he's quadruple covered off the line of scrimmage, the next person we're looking at is Kareem Hunt. And we saw it all the time. They they tried to hit him down the seam once. They hit him on the kind of late developing wheel. He caught a few other passes out in the flats with a lot of space to work against linebackers. So it was just the thing where they're just simply as people said, there weren't enough balls to go around for everybody. I mean, we threw for 400 yards and there just simply was not enough passes to be had to be really looking for Sammy Watkins, but people need to chill out, not worry. He was getting open plenty. He was not playing poorly by any stretch of the imagination. Just other guys were also open.
0: I'm nodding my head. Um, okay, I want to talk about Jeff Allen. Chiefs signed. They brought Jeff, Jeff Allen back. He was with the Texans, got hurt, signed back with them. Uh, what you think about him? Hmm.
1: What do I think about Jeff Allen at this point in time? I think he's a, a good guy to have around right now. He can play all the positions along the line, so he kind of fills that utility backup offensive role. I mean, all of our guys seem to fill that, but he's familiar enough with the system that he can probably jump in at any point in time once he's in football shape. I went back and watched a couple games from last year just here real quick, and he didn't look great by any stretch of the imagination, but the whole Houston Texans offensive line was terrible. And they moved him from right guard to left guard to left tackle late in the year. So it's not like he was getting any consistency with him or guys next to him. He uh, didn't look like he was in the best shape of his career last year. He looked like he was a little a little soft in the midsection. I kind of read up that he was in better shape heading into this year when he was trying to get back on another team because they got rid of him after going on the uh, pup list. So I don't dislike that he's back. I think in general, though, it says that you're looking at Morse is going to be out at least a week, if not two, because... I mean, really, they're bringing him in because they're going to need a long-term solution at backup offensive line, and they don't feel comfortable with Khalil McKenzie stepping in right now if he has to.
0: I wouldn't feel comfortable with Khalil yet either, but I am intrigued to see what he looks like next year. Um, okay, Bengals offense, Maddie. Uh, what have you seen from them so far, and how terrified are you of John Ross? john ross
1: how terrified am i of john ross on this? That's my, that was
0: my guy that was my guy coming out of the draft and uh, like when he's healthy he's dynamic but
1: is he though yes are you sure he, have you he, seen like his 6.2 yards per catch in his career
0: uh, that when he's healthy i still don't think he's healthy
1: so here's the next question is john ross ever going to be healthy at a buck 70 with one knee and half a shoulder no <laughs> so my guy Rest also happens to play for the Bengals, and he's actually a good football player and that's carl <laughs> lawson who Your is an abs- yes it, he's probably close to my age i feel like he's a little bit older of a prospect maybe not i don't know but i would feel scared to call him my son in real life have you seen his picture the dude looks like
0: a superhero he's terrifying
1: Yeah, but not. Between Carl Lawson, Sam Hubbard, who was another edge drafted this year, later than we drafted Breland Speaks, Geno Atkins, a little bit of Carlos Dunlap, they have some pass rushers, They're just a good defensive line in general, and some pass rushers that can really give an offensive line some fits if we're not going to be on our A game there, so that's something to monitor. Outside that, they have your other guy, Jesse Bates. I can't not mention him for you. He's playing good back deep in the single high kind of roles that they have him in, and they have a good secondary, so really the only weakness of their defense... At first sight is the linebackers, which are certainly not good. But at the same time, teams have found some success against them through the air. So we'll have to kind of see as we dive in a little bit more later in the week. As of right now, I'm just kind of worried about our interior line versus like I said, Geno Atkins or just even Carl Lawson, Michael Dunlap coming in, Carlos Dunlap, excuse me, coming in on little stunts and whatnot.
0: Yeah, no, I they they got some talent, dude. And they got my son Jesse Bates. Uh, really looking forward to seeing this matchup. Hopefully they don't give him enough problems or too many problems. Who's your uh, favorite, I've... Bates or John Ross?
1: Who's, which <laughs> son do you
0: favorite? Look, uh, Jesse Bates, man, because I was like, I was talking about him. Like he's one of those guys that like you're on before a lot of people are, and then all of a sudden people started talking about him. So I was just like. Okay, that's my dude. I really like him. And he went with the pick that the Chiefs had originally in the second round. So, you know. Let's let's not bring up bad times. Nope, nope, we don't we won't talk about that. That's Maddie Lane. We'll bring you back here in a little bit for the mailbag. All right, sounds good, Kit. Now it's time to bring on Craig Stout, defensive draft analy- defensive film and draft analyst, also beer expert. What's going on, buddy?
2: Not much. We don't talk enough about beer on this podcast, Kent. I'm just throwing that out there. I, I go for like an hour a night here on a Tuesday night not talking about beer. I start to get the shakes by the end of it.
0: May, like Someone should start asking us mailbag questions about beer. There, There's, hey. there's, your, there's your outlet. So there's the, the call to the audience. If you want to hear Craig's takes on beer ask us in the mailbag. Hey, Craig. and
2: then we're going to get zero questions about <laughs> beer.
0: <laughs> yeah, I I really kind of hope we don't just because I think that would be kind of funny. Um <laughs> a- another thing. Uh so I forgot. You know you met we we made that that time zone joke last week. I was actually still in the central time zone. I wasn't even in the eastern time zone.
2: <laughs> like had, it, you had you couldn't just let that go. You couldn't let me be younger than you guys on that day (laughs) I see how it is
0: it was like it was barely like i was barely in the central time zone so you were almost right but i think i think the laws just still apply like i think everything (laughs) still applies the same way even though i'm technically in the central time zone um okay so i wanted to talk to you about a couple things first any like just give me something good and something bad from the defense from the new england game
2: well, it's a lot harder to find some good things from the game, but uh, I'll try here. Our boy Jordan Lucas, uh, the Lucas Locomotive, Choo-choo. yes. Choo-choo. <laughs> yeah, he uh, he looked good this week. Uh, if we're really nitpicking, I can come down to a couple plays, maybe a third there that, that we can really nitpick about, but he was really, really, really good this week. He is proving that he needs to be starting going forward here. So, on top of that, Breland Speaks played 97% of the snaps. That's a lot. That is a lot of snaps. When he was off the field, he was replaced by Frank Zombo, sometimes, but he showed good motor throughout the entire game. There was no quit in his game. The forced fumble that they had there, he actually drops into coverage and sort of mugs Gronkowski (laughs) within five yards. Sees the play out, realizes it's a scramble drill, and actually hustles all the way across the field to force that fumble for the defense. He was better than we've seen him. Still not good by any means, but he was better than we've seen him. There's some growth there.
0: You know, uh, hey, we're, real quick. You know, I was I was thinking about Breland Speaks, and we've been talking about this a little bit the last you know couple weeks. I think we're kind of starting to identify. If Breland speaks is gonna have any kind of value, it's gonna be being able to play ninety seven percent of snaps, being physical, continuing to work, and and that's really gonna be what breeds some of the success for Breland.
2: Right. I totally agree with that. Totally agree with that. And if you want to see Breland's play of the day outside of that fumble, uh, click over to at barley hop on my timeline and watch him put. Rob Gronkowski on his ass while he's chipping him about halfway through the game. It's pretty good. Awesome, man. Uh something yeah. bad. Something bad. Everything else. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was not a good performance by all of the defense. Bob had some baffling scheme decisions. There was a 3rd and 2. That he trotted out the dime defense and lined up his defensive tackles as wide defenders and had linebackers inside. Tom rotated the back inside and just ran right at the inside linebackers there for a gain of 10 on 3rd and 2. He put Josh Shaw, who wasn't awful. He was pretty physical, but... He's just not the quality of player that can cover Rob Gronkowski one-on-one all game long. He had him one-on-one and arguably the most important play of the game. And he got beat over the top with it. And then on top of that, Reggie Raglan couldn't tackle. Anthony Hitchens is being hesitant and getting blown by by James White and Sony Michelle. It just was all bad other than a couple nice plays by Lucas Speaks. Reggie had a couple, but other than that, it was just bad all around.
0: Oh, sounds encouraging. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna throw one of the mailbag questions at you now. Uh, instead Duh. of waiting, uh, okay. Instead of waiting for you know the rest of us. Um, at J Red Tegler asks, someone said he thought we are setting up to switch to a four three defense next year. Would this help? Can this be done in season?
2: Okay, here we go. I <laughs> I'm going to shut my mic off and just yeah, let you talk. I have a rant here. Now, looking forward to the 2019 season, I can understand the desire for a change. They still need pieces to make that happen, but that's something that they can do after this season. So, I'm going to really handle where it is this season. First of all, everybody wants to make this the magic bullet. This is the thing that fixes the defense by switching from the 4-3 or switching from the 3-4 to the 4-3. The Chiefs' defense is in the 3-4 defense 25% of the time as of last Sunday's game. So that means 75% of the time, it doesn't the 4-3 is not going to be on the field. That doesn't fix things. Prior to this week, the 3-4 was by Far the best defense in yards per play and success rate of the defenses that the Chiefs run on a regular basis. So you'd be harming the best defense and not fixing the ones that are the problem. Second of all, when the Chiefs do make a play out of the 3 4, it is typically when a defensive lineman breaks something down, gets past one of their blockers, and makes a stop. It's not the inside linebackers that are making the plays, typically. It's the guys up front. By switching to a 4-3, you're removing one of those guys, and you are putting a guy on the second level as an off-ball linebacker, which is the Chiefs' biggest weakness right now. Right now, that would be Terrence Smith. So you'd be removing a guy like Alan Bailey or Derek Naughty and putting Terrence Smith in there and hoping that things get better. That's not going to change it. On top of that, they don't really have a will linebacker. You can put Terrence Smith back there. I know a lot of people are calling for Dorian O'Daniel to sort of get on the field or Ben Neiman to get on the field as a Will linebacker. Well, here's the newsflash. Because they're in the sub package so much, if one of those guys is making a difference in the 4-3, they're making a bigger difference in the sub package. So no to this year. It's a terrible decision. It makes the defense even worse Than they already are. I get that the desire for change, but change for change's sake on this front does not work. Just no to the 4 3.
0: Sir, this is an Arby's drive through. No, that I thanks that that was that was a lot. I uh, actually uh, finished one of my articles while you were doing that. Um, real quick, just wanted some quick thoughts on the Bengals' offense. We asked uh, we asked Maddie earlier about the defense. Give me a one tweet explanation
2: of what you're seeing from the fighting Andy Daltons. Andy Dalton is better this year than he has been in previous years. AJ Green is always open. It doesn't matter who's covering him. He's always open. Joe Mixon is good. CJ Uzama is surprisingly good. And they like to use a lot of empty formations, even when they're in 12 personnel.
0: That's Craig Stout. How about we uh, bring Maddie back on dual mailbag? And we got the whole nerd squad together now back together again and
1: what's up guys hey are we sponsored by arby's by any chance
0: <laughs> i wish
2: <laughs> that sounds so good right now i'm so hungry you have, if we're sponsored by arby's i got some things to say into their drive through right now <laughs> <laughs> i got Derek johnson takes
0: i could go for like five orders of their mozzarella sticks uh, speaking of mozzarella sticks, actually, this has nothing to do with mozzarella sticks. At Triple, <laughs> King. At, at triple Rinse One asks, what's your favorite movie?
2: My favorite movie is This is Spinal Tap, and there's no other answer other than that.
0: What? <laughs> that was... Uh, so, d- okay. did that come out when you were in high school?
2: No, actually. Uh, I, I saw it when I was about 40-ish, I think. <laughs> oh, it was about
0: yeah. 10 years ago. Wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. That's that's amazing.
1: Um, all right. So full disclosure, I don't read these questions first, so I'm put on the spot here with favorite movie. And this is always hard. Um, we are going to go with Boondock Saints. Eh. All right. Stop yourself. <laughs> We're done. Pod over. <laughs>
0: I'll go, with, uh, I'll go with Indiana Jones in The Last Crusade. That movie is phenomenal. Don't at me. At... Jayhawk 11. Wow.
2: What? I'm, I'm going to add Kent after this is over. Jesus. What? Are you kidding me? The third best no. Indiana Jones movie? Oh.
0: Okay, now we're. I mean,
2: not... The
1: only one it's better than is with Shia LaBeouf.
0: Oh, oh my.
2: <laughs> okay, now we're really we're done. Right, Kent. The Nerd Squad. We're right. The nerd squ- Twitter will say. The Nerd Squad is over.
0: <laughs> it's done. Oh. We're done. We
1: picked the best movie of us three.
0: Oh, yeah. No, we're setting a poll up. The poll,
1: poll is, is definitely going best up. Indiana Jones movie. Are
0: you kidding me? Oh, I don't even want to. Hey, we've got so many questions and like Matt literally is going to like turn this into like a three hour show if I don't get going. But we're fighting. We're, we're fighting later. At Jayhawk 1108 asks the narrative about keeping Bob centered around equipping him with contributors and players to fit his scheme. He got Hitchens, DOD, and Speaks' scheme fits. Things are worse. How are these poor performances not sticking to him now? Blame the injuries?
1: So it's tricky not being in the room. How many of these guys were drafted or brought in specifically to fit Bob's scheme? And how many were brought in and drafted because the talent evaluators like them? Like Obviously, there's a little bit of a crossover when they get together. You're not going to draft somebody that the defensive coordinator sees no use for, and vice versa, but at the same time, some of these moves clearly don't fit Bob's scheme that great, and yet they're still here. So I do think he's working with a limited personnel group right now. Now, that still does not excuse some of his ridiculous decision-making that we saw, especially in this last game, so I'm not letting him off the hook by any means. I don't think Bob Sutton's a bad defensive coordinator. I think his time in Kansas City has just kind of run its course. At this point in time, I don't see how you rebound with Bob Sutton as your defensive coordinator going forward, so it's time to change over. But it's not like he's working with the 2015 Chiefs defense again, starting from scratch with a lot of elite players.
2: Yeah, and I don't necessarily have – major, major issues with the scheme as a whole. He makes some just mind-numbing decisions on certain situations, but overall, I mean, he seems to be able to get some pretty mediocre players to play at within the scheme pretty well if they're veterans and understanding things. We don't see him really put rookies or new signings onto the field all that often and that's basically what he's dealing with right now especially with injuries so I don't know that those guys have really fully grasped the system. It is week six. I mean, I hate to be that guy because they're not a good defense right now, but we're only six weeks into the season. Now, we get to the end of the season. They're still playing like this. It's time for him to go regardless of what he's doing outside of the scheme. But I think they've got some growth that they can still do between now and the end of the season.
0: Stacy Meyer asks, Hashtag free Dorian O'Daniel, and tagging that up with at Young Hoku, why is there still no Ben Neiman or dorino Daniel on passing downs? Our starting two linebackers can't cover. Hmm. They're not wrong, and they can't even stop the run.
2: <laughs> well, you know, I, I I don't know. That's that's the simple truth. It's the same thing that we kind of go through every week. This game seemed tailor-made for a coverage linebacker, and we didn't even really see that much Terrence Smith. We saw a lot of Reggie Ragland this week to try and help stop the run. If they those guys were capable of being on the field and taking snaps, we certainly would see them right now. They must just not know the scheme or not know what they need to do. Maybe they don't know the lingo or the verbiage of the coverage calls yet. I don't know, but they just don't know what they need to do yet. That's my best guess.
1: Yeah, that's got to be where we're at. We're not in the room, so we don't know, but there's definitely a disconnect between what we saw in film, whether in college or in the preseason, compared to what they're showing in practice every day, or they would simply be out there. Like, as much as I want to believe in O'Daniel and I really liked what I saw from Neiman, something they're not showing behind the scenes is what's why they're not getting out there. So you can't say too much about it. And, I mean, it's even like we've said, Sutton seems to like Terrence Smith. So, as of right now, they seem plenty comfortable playing him in cover situations. So, I don't know if you're going to see O'Daniel or Neiman anytime soon without an injury coming up.
0: I think from an optics perspective, it's probably hard to pull Hitchens specifically off the field right now being a big signing too. It's just kind of a weird dynamic right now. Guys, we got an email. I didn't even prompt this, but we got an email from someone wanting to ask us a question. And got big. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Uh, at uh, Jimmy in Saint Peters, Missouri, asks when it comes time to start bringing back guys from the IR. If offense keeps rolling, should we leave Laurent, Duvernay T, uh, Laurent Duvernay-Tardif behind and bring back two defensive players? Um, you know, I think I think it's just more about you know it's kind of from a like from my draft perspective. You take the best player available. I think in this situation, you bring your best players back. Uh, even if it means Laurent DuVernay-Tardif instead of Armani Watts.
1: Yeah, I mean, just thinking about who we have and, like, the roles that we're needing filled, as great as it's going to be to have Sorensen or Watts back, it almost looks like Lucas and Shaw may be willing to kind of replace what they're able to do, what he's shown at this point in time, just as well. So, yeah, you got to bring LDT back. He's definitely the best player there, and we can't, Discredit the fact that Morse is hurt pretty frequently. Do you really want two backup level guys down the stretch in the playoffs playing instead of Morse and LDT or just one of them? Do you really want Wiley and Devi or Jeff Allen as your two of your three starting interior guys in the playoffs?
2: Yeah, probably not. I I'm bringing back Larry as well, even though he wasn't having a, you know, hot start to the year or anything like that. He was he's still one of the five best offensive linemen that this Chiefs team has. So, if you're looking at Dan Sorensen bringing him back from IR and you're looking for another guy, it's LDT for me.
0: Obviously, that's all kind of contingent on who's actually available, but I think it was just philosophical. It was interesting. Uh, at independent underscore 739, if Jeff Allen is signed, do you think he sees playing time?
1: As of right now, I don't. I think the Chiefs are going to stick with Debbie and Wiley on the inside, at least until Morse comes back, and then I think Devi kicks back out to guard. He seemed to play a pretty good game. And while he doesn't have the movement skills that LBT or Morse had, he still proved to be plenty good there. So I think that's still who they're going to roll with. But if they saw something that they were unhappy with, with Moore with Wiley playing right guard, you could see Allen there in the future. But I think this first game against the Bengals, you're still going to get Wiley and Debbie on the inside.
2: I'm I'm going contrary to Matt here. Look, look out, everybody. I think that Jeff Allen's going to come in and he's going to play this week. I think that they're actually going to give him some snaps there. I think that uh, the Morse injury really threw them for a loop and they were kind of hoping that they'd have Wiley as a guy that can do several things. Now you've got Jeff Allen that can come in there, knows the system, knows Andy Heck, and he can come in there and, and sort of add a little element that they are missing maybe with one of those two guys
0: hi uh i don't want jeff allen seeing the field i like what andrew wiley's done to this point (laughs) at p flum asks what has happened to reggie Ragland and anthony hitchens did anybody think at the start of the season our inside linebackers would be our biggest weakness and how can it be fixed
2: uh that can you start the season over and hope that those guys don't get hurt in preseason and Reggie's knee and belly don't swell up? You know that's that's what that's what needs to happen right now. He's they got haven't. An RV
1: sponsorship.
2: Yeah, <laughs> Reggie did get that Arby's. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, it's they haven't played together very much. You can tell Hitchens is hesitant. Reggie is missing tackles. He's not necessarily hesitant. He's just missing tackles and he can't cover. This is it's a bad situation. I think the only way to really fix it is to kind of grit your teeth, get through it, maybe simplify some of what you're asking them to do in the center of the field there and hope that they can respond and start getting the ball rolling again.
1: Yeah, I didn't think coming into the year the linebackers are going to be the biggest weakness. Now, in coverage, I definitely could see it coming. I don't know why people were excited for Hitchens in coverage. I think there was a PFF grade going around last year that he was really good in coverage or didn't allow many catches. But when you simply threw on the tape, he just wasn't a guy that you want to put in coverage hardly at all, except for if he's dropping into like a shallow zone without much going on. So the coverage aspect, yes, their struggles versus the run definitely didn't see coming. Ragland seemed to have taken a step back, and not so much in his top-end ability, just his consistency to play downhill and then fill in lanes like he was able to do later last year. And Hitchens, like Craig said, he he looks like he's having to do too much or he's thinking like he's having to do too much right now, and it's just making him play really hesitant and behind-the-ball carrier way too often. To fix it, you're kind of just waiting this year out, I mean, you would like to see them just get see somebody get them just to play downhill for an entire game. And at least if you're going to be bad in pass coverage, then at least just dominate the field in the run game. Just play aggressive. Hope you catch a two yard tackle for a loss if you're going to go ahead and continue to give up big plays. But besides that, you're just going to wait out the year and kind of hope that everything starts clicking for them. And they're not running over each other into the same block over and over again next
2: year.
0: Craig, unrelated, um, who's older, you or Derek Johnson?
2: Uh I actually hang on I might actually know that. <laughs> <It's>, it, <laughs> I think
0: it, it was rhetorical but I just wanted to see I, I if I could get I think we're the exact same
2: age actually. Oh my god. Wow. birthday.
0: I was just wanting to see if I could get his blood boiling a little bit. But uh at <laughs> J Moser 42 asks, who's the better player at his position, Tyreek Hill or Patrick Mahomes? I'm biased and it's really weird to be biased to players two players on your team but i think patrick mahomes is transcendent and he's just getting started and i think he's taking the league by storm obviously those two are better together but i, I pat's just ludicrous right now
2: yeah now tyreek's fun tyreek's great he, he's a really good receiver on this team but you're talking about the kid that's up in the conversation for the best quarterback in the entire league this year i and he's a runaway mvp at the moment if he keeps this pace up it's pat
1: i've been trying to rack my brain while you guys are talking for a counter argument to say tyree kill but i don't quite have one right now so yeah i mean I think Pat going into any game right now, I'd feel just as confident taking Pat over any other quarterback. And I still think I would take Antonio Brown, maybe even Odell over Tyreek going into just a single game. So going to have to say Pat
0: at SH web 29 in honor of the Bucks firing Mike Smith today, who would you feel, or how would you feel if Bob Sutton were fired following a poor showing against the Bengals?
2: I would cry. I would cry so much. I would be so happy that (laughs) (laughs) they're not going to fire him. They're they're just not going to fire him right now. They don't have anybody on the staff that I think can really step in and make the changes necessary that they need to make this happen. The team lacks nasty. The team lacks a little bit of fire. I don't know that they're going to get that out of other guys' that realistically could become the defensive coordinator on the, uh, on the coaching staff right now.
1: Yeah. I'm not a hundred percent sure who's next in line for kind of a deep head defensive coordinator gig for the chiefs right now. So if you get rid of Sutton at this point in time, like who, who do you elevate even just to be the interim coach? I don't know if anybody has enough experience just overall to take that role. Um, I'm with Craig. I would love for it to happen if he was struggling that much again, but at the same time, how many coordinators has Reed had let go in the middle of a season? I don't think it's going to be many.
0: Right. Anybody I don't think know? that it's any.
2: Yeah. It, it, yeah.
1: He's pretty faithful to his guys, so I doubt he's the one to let somebody go. And again, I would be happy if it happened. I just don't know who the next man up would be to be an interim coach, so I don't see a reasonable expectation for that.
0: Yeah, I remember last year Andy talked about how he liked some of the adjustments that Bob made late. And I think, I think Bob will figure some things out. I do, I do think he'll figure some things out eventually as the season goes on. Um, and I think, I think they'll finish strong. Maybe not good, but stronger than what they're at right now. Um, at Joseph Hefe asks, what needs to change to fix the tackling issues on this team?
1: Oh, you shortened the question on me. Um... I do not know. This is something that's plagued the Chiefs for, I mean, it has, it seems like it's been years. Like, the Chiefs have never, in my lifetime, or at least to the point to where I've been able to break down film, have been a good tackling team. And it's just a weird thing. I don't know if it's just like a general culture of a team or something. Just the Chiefs don't, have never really tackled particularly well. And it's not like you can blame. Just one coaching staff. You can't blame a defensive coordinator. Bob's not out there teaching people how to break down and make tackles. I mean, one, that's done in, like, middle school. But two, positional coaches are the one handling all that in the NFL anyway. It's like there's nowhere you could point the finger. You can't say go practice more. Like, it's just a weird occurrence where the Chiefs just simply do not, aren't good at it. I think the one thing that'll help is, like we were just talking about a little bit, getting a little bit more fire from somebody in the defensive coaching room. I don't know who it is. I don't think it's going to be Bob Sutton. He seems a little too complacent with the way most things play out, but someone's got to be able to light a fire into these guys and at least make them want to. Some of these guys don't even look like they want to tackle. Not just hit somebody that's not paying attention, but like some guys simply look like they don't want to have a big contact
2: yeah, and some of those guys are standing around on the goal line. I mean, I'm calling them out. Ron Parker on the touchdown after Pat Mahomes' first interception is just standing there. Reggie Raglan is just standing there get to the hole, make a hit, you know, care, care a little bit more. It's just not there. Now you can say that maybe some of these guys have taken on the personality of their defensive coordinator, but like Matt said, the truth is, he's not the guy that's out there. He's not the guy, you know, you're not going to have a 65 year old man out there teaching, you know, tackling drills. That's just insane. (laughs) But I mean, I'm sure some Chiefs fans would love it if that was the case, but he's just not doing it. So I, I don't know what really needs to change other than a mentality shift. And yeah, like like Matt said, I don't know that that's going to happen with anybody that's on the current coaching staff.
0: I think my concern is kind of just, you've seen some guys that have been brought in that have regressed as tacklers a little bit. And that's that's concerning to me. So let's hope, you know, hopefully they, they do make some adjustments. Maybe the culture changes a little bit around that. At Nader P, everyone said... We'd be lucky to go three and three at this point in the season. We're five and one. Were the first six opponents just softer than everyone expected, or have the Chiefs just been that good? Um I I think the Chiefs have just been that good. And I and I, I was a guy that kind of thought three and three was probably around where they would be at this point. And for me, I think it's just the fact that, you know, I expected some growing pains from Patrick Mahomes. And they've been fewer and farther between. And he's lit the world on fire. He's just been a lot better, faster than I think anyone really anticipated. And um, I think we're seeing the results of that uh, with such a rapid growth over the last 13 months, or 16, 17 months that he's been in Kansas City.
2: Yeah. And if you look back at the teams that they played, if you look where they are kind of sitting right now in the AFC, the Chargers look like they're really good. The... Steelers have made a comeback there. You know, they beat the Bengals this past weekend. The 49ers, with Garoppolo, had a chance to do something. Without him, they're not much of anything. And then you're talking about Denver given their best performance of the year. That was their Super Bowl that the Chiefs held on through. And now we're talking, you know, the Jaguars, who don't look as great, but they still have an elite defense. And then the Patriots. That's a really tough schedule still. Even looking back at it and looking at the way that the Chiefs were able to handle some of those teams, they're still really good good teams. I think we get to the end of the season. Those are still going to be considered good teams.
1: Yeah, I think the Chiefs have definitely just been that good so far. You can make light of some of these games. Like, the Steelers haven't looked as good as I think everybody thought. The Jaguars' defense gave up 4,500 points to the Dallas Cowboys (laughs) and something like that. But, I mean... That was kind of one of the things. It looked like the Jaguars just came out flat and the Steelers have just played some weird games. And the teams like Craig said, are all still really good. You can sit here and nitpick through them all you want, but it's early in the year. These teams are all going to start figuring things out, but they're not going to get more talented as the year goes on. These teams we beat have already been super talented. We just came out clicking a little bit better than them. The big thing for me to watch is just kind of as the year drags along to make sure that we keep clicking better than the opposing team rather than kind of stalling out like we did last year. Don't think it's that big of a worry. It's just something to keep an eye on.
0: At Zach Albers, is Lucas Landon? Uh, is uh, is is Jordan Lucas the best safety on film for the Chiefs this season?
2: Yeah, Landon Lucas, the former KU basketball. I know.
0: I, I I stopped. The, yeah, I stopped myself. Okay. <laughs> we
2: don't yeah. talk about that
1: school
0: here.
2: <laughs> We're just dividing up the uh, nerd squad tonight. Things, things, thing's, things are getting hot, tonight. man. Things are just yeah. getting heated. No, no, Lucas is by far the best safety that the Chiefs have, have put on film this year. It's, it's not particularly close. Ron has had a lot of errors. Ron doesn't want to tackle. Ron has missed a lot of coverages. Eric Murray, solid, but still screwing up fairly regularly. We have seen consistently good play out of Jordan Lucas. Now, granted, it's only a game and a half, but consistently good play out of him. I, I think the Chiefs have something here.
1: Yeah, I, Lucas definitely been the best safety. It's not close. I have a feeling one of the upcoming weeks, if he continues to get playing time, there's going to be some deep looking into Jordan Lucas, so don't need to dive too much into it right now. Plus, Craig kind of said it all already. So, yes.
0: I tend to agree. Okay, this, this kind of piggybacks off that. This is a quick answer. Uh, Matthew?
1: <laughs> I quick answered the last one. Can you I carry over not. my allotted no. time?
0: No, you cannot. Okay. At the Wild Chief. All right, nerd squad. Uh, After one and a half games worth of tape on Lucas, who are you starting if Eric Murray is healthy? You can only pick two between Murray, Parker, and Lucas.
1: Oh, I'll answer for all of us, and we don't need to spend any more time here. We're picking Lucas and Murray, and we can move on.
0: Yep. Yep. (laughs) No. (laughs) Cut Ron. Hashtag cut Ron. Uh, (laughs) uh, At Snowman2168, Rewatched the New England game and I'm thinking Breland Speaks did better than I originally thought. Right or wrong? Um I don't know if he played better. I think it's still impressive that he's able to continue to play as hard as he does for ninety-seven percent of the snaps. Like I still think there's a few made a few improvements he's made to this point. Um, I, you know, I think you're kind of starting to see maybe a semblance of a pass rush plan, but beyond that, uh, no, I'm not super thrilled with him yet.
1: All right. I'm going to roll over my time from Lucas into this one, because I (laughs) did go back and watch speak specifically, and we're going to get a little bit of it out here. Yes. This was his best game. And yes, his motor, despite being completely gassed, you can see it on his face Sometimes besides being completely gassed, he was given a hundred percent. But there's just fatal flaws in his game, in all aspects still, that really haven't shown a lot. There's a semblance of a pass rush plan. Like, he has an idea what he wants to do off the snap, but it's not set up well. He doesn't try to read and adjust to what an offensive tackle does. It's just he knows what he wants to do, and then he's going to try to do it no matter what. And what's killing Breland Speaks right now is offensive tackles know this, he just gets quick-setted as much as possible. If he's not in a wide nine alignment or off of the line of scrimmage in some way, an offensive tackle is going to quick-set him, they're going to get their hands on him, and he has absolutely no chance to get off of them. By the time he wins leverage and inside hands, the ball's out. You have time for a seven-step drop and to scan the field by the time he's going to beat this block in the situation. like There's just no real move to get off the block if the guy gets their hands on him, and he's just simply never ready to get punched as soon as this ball's snapped. It's the weirdest thing for a guy that's so physical. And he shows a good pass rush from a wide nine. He can kind of get a looser corner that way. So he does the two-handed Justin Houston swipe. And he has a pretty good one-handed club slap move on someone's back to get around. It still takes him a second, but he at least knows what he's trying to do with it. So he got a couple pressures that way against the Patriots, which was nice to see. And finally, and this is my biggest qualm with him so far... In the run game, he's been good, but he hasn't been as good at sealing the edge as I think most people expected. It's the same issue as his contact balance isn't great. Like, he doesn't always fall down. But when he makes contact, when someone's coming around for like a kickout block on him or a wham block on him, he too often gets his outside shoulder, which is what he needs to use to keep contain, somehow on the inside of the blocker, which just completely erases him from the play in terms of holding contain. And this happened two or three times against the Patriots where they just ran right around him as he had to give up his back because he just got completely unsquared with the block. So best game so far. Don't know if it was particularly good, though.
2: Yeah, I, I like that Matt threw in there. He doesn't always fall down. You know, a <laughs> little caveat that's in there. It was yeah I, expect, yeah, I think our expectations of Speaks are just so low that when he's out there and he is showing a good motor, that we kind of all raise our eyebrows and go, "Oh, that's that's why. That's what they are looking at." So we're I talking think ourselves just, into him, right? I think it's just a little bit of expectation versus you know reality at
0: nerf mild asks debunk mahomes interception trend risks
1: i am not sure what is being asked in this particular question um the trends of his interceptions going up or throwing risky throws? I
0: think he, I think he's talking about you've seen four interceptions the last two games. So um, is this a trend? Are we worried about it?
1: I think he's going to throw more than he did the first four weeks, yes. But I don't think it's going to be two per game for the rest of the year. I think you saw with the Hightower pick, that was something you saw through camp and on the Texas Tech film, so we knew that was coming at least once this year. It might happen again as well, maybe not from an inside linebacker showing an A-gap blitz, but from an outside linebacker, a defensive lineman dropping. But for the most part, he picks up things quick. He knows he tried to force the ball to Kelsey while on the move, and he's even admitted that he probably didn't put it up as high as he should. He knows what he misread with the Hightower one. So, no, I don't think you're going to keep saying two picks per game, but it's definitely not going to be zero every for four games every week either.
2: Yeah, and the the short zone pick is something that we've kind of talked about several weeks you know, in a row, that that's, that's something we saw in camp. That's something that he struggled with a little bit that you know we just have to monitor I, he knows he knows what he did wrong there the thing about him is that he just learns so quickly you know they keep throwing looks at him and he's and he's able to handle them he's not going to do the same thing twice so i do think that there'll be some more interceptions but it's not a trend it's not a, a thing that we need to be worried about for certain I
0: mean, he's even adjusting in game. I mean, they tried some stuff in the second half last week that didn't catch him the second time. So, I mean, even it's not even taking too much time for him to fix mistakes. He's able to do it in game at times too. So, um, yeah, he's gonna make he's gonna make some mistakes, and um, I think. Uh, You know, two of his picks came in the rain against the best defense in football or formerly best defense in football. And two of them came against Bill Belichick in a night game in a half that he was juiced. I think you're looking at, you know, he's pacing for 11 interceptions this year. I think that's probably about what it winds up being. Maybe a couple more, but not not too worried at all. Actually, not really remotely worried Um, at 10 pin Hickle. Instead of hoping for Barry to make his return or waiting on Sorensen to get back on IR, any chance to go after another DB or safety this month?
2: Uh, you know, I, I do think that they're going to make a move. I think Jordan Lucas's sort of come-out party has, has put a little bit of that on hold. I can see them maybe going after a big name if there's a big name available. I know we keep mentioning Landon Collins, but... If the Chiefs are going to make that move, you're kicking a guy in Jordan Lucas who looks good back a step. I think that Murray and Lucas together, if the Chiefs are willing to make that move, I'm not expecting them to, but if the Chiefs are willing to make that move, I think that that's a pretty good pairing and that that can get the job done if they can make some upgrades maybe underneath as the linebackers.
1: Yeah, I do. same thing, I'm kind of with the Lucas thing and the fact that they still seem so confident that Barry is going to come back at some point in time this year, unless something changes with their confidence level in Barry, which they may not know when he's coming back, but again, I think they sound and they come across as confident that he will, that if Lucas keeps playing this well and they expect Barry and either Murray or Sorensen or Watts to be able to come back this year, I don't know if they're going to go out and make a big splashy move for anybody. If we start hearing more stuff about some other guys being out on the block, like if you could somehow convince the Raiders to part ways with Carl Joseph or if the Bills are willing to send it's just kind of a random shot in the dark guy, but uh, Hyde, Micah Hyde for them, like if they happen to start shopping him because they know they're out of it and they want more draft capital, maybe. But until you hear rumors of guys being shopped, I don't know if the Chiefs are going to be willing to – penny up anything to bring somebody
0: in yeah i'm not sure it's at the safety position if they make a splash i'm still keeping an eye on hassan reddick he's got the brit reed connection that's going to be at the linebacker level though so not that position um
2: at tri- I'm ta- i just want to put this on tape i'm putting quan alexander's name out there in the world <laughs> just so he can come to the chiefs there's no rumors or anything i'm just putting his name out there, <laughs> there we go.
1: got two new names and then just one old retired
2: name from last week as <laughs> per
0: craig per craig spies um <laughs> at treviathan 89 this is a real quick question how many more tds and interceptions do you see pat throwing the rest of the way i i'm gonna guess like 45 and 13 and that sounds ridiculous but 27 touchdowns over the next 10 games doesn't seem too crazy
1: Yeah, um, I'm trying to. I mean, I don't have exact numbers, but I think that feels about right. I think I'm going to probably go with a couple less interceptions, though. I think we've kind of got through the worst part of the defenses we're going to play. I don't foresee the Broncos at Arrowhead or two games versus the Raiders or another game versus the Chargers lighting up the interception totals. So I'm going to stick closer to 10 11 range. But yeah, the low to mid 40 for touchdown sounds about right at this point in time.
2: Well, because I'm a defensive guy and I just feel like doing this. He's he's going to throw 51 touchdowns for the year and under 10 interceptions. Woo! Wow. You've been watching bad defense too long.
1: Um, yes, I have. <laughs> At, That's called the NFL Kent.
0: <laughs> right. At K Gumminger. Am I crazy for kind of liking where the future of this defense could be? I get that they're terrible right now, but I like Chris Jones, Naughty, Lucas, Murray, Watts. They've all been solid. I feel like there are pieces there for a bright season, if healthy, for years to come. Just need some time and experience.
1: For the first time, I'm going to say, yeah, you might be a little crazy on that one. Um, I'm, I have always kind of said, like, ah, the Chiefs got some things in the works. I like where the players that they have that are really good. I like where they are, like, in terms of what position they play. But things just aren't coming together right now. And, I mean, if we get a new defensive coordinator, and, again, I don't think this is all Bob Sutton's fault, but a new defensive coordinator with a new system and followed up with a good draft that happens to be great on defensive players. I won't kill everybody by making you listen to me talk about it yet. But <laughs> there's a chance that we could reload some great players under the defense and if you get a new system and scheme coming in, couple that with Chris Jones, with Fuller, with what we've seen from Lucas, bring back D Ford, obviously, <laughs> then you might have something to work with. I, I agree with that, but I have to see the next step before I go ahead and say that I'm excited for the future because I feel like right now, it's close enough to a blank slate that you can get excited based on what you see this next offseason.
2: Well, here's the thing. I was excited about it this off season, and look where Same. we are. I mean, they, they made moves that I liked overall. They made th- they did things that I wanted them to do to sort of change the mentality, bring some fire, bring some edge to this, and you got guys standing around. You got guys not caring. Even with the talent that they brought in, I, I don't know that I can look at this young core of players on that side of the ball and say, yeah, I think that they're really going to turn it around and be a good defense because... I. I don't. I need to see it because I haven't yet.
0: Yeah, as disorganized as this unit looks, and not really seeing like clear-cut um, star potential from too many guys on that side of the ball. Like they don't really have a ton of playmakers, and uh, they got rid of one of their playmakers. But um, you know, last year, but. That's that's something that you know if, if they if they add some more playmakers to the ball over on this this next draft I think that this this outlook could change significantly and and very quickly. Um, last one at Chief Boy DG, Assuming no one no trades happen this year, what would your plan to re to rebuild this defense? What positions would you start with? More focus on free agent or hope for key pieces through the draft. Any names to keep an eye on that could be a difference maker? Oh no!
2: Oh, <laughs> Maddie, you guys are making this hard. Go turn right, off the you... microphone and walk away for half an hour. I'll be back. We're, right, I think we we're go. approaching
0: an hour or at an hour already. Take that into consideration, right, so I'll Matthew.
2: See you guys, in two hours. All right, so perfect offseason.
1: I'll try to keep it quick. If you guys want more draft questions, please send them in. I have been watching college football <laughs> relentlessly. I will gladly go on and on about the draft for the upcoming year, so please send them in so Kent lets me talk about them. <laughs> but – uh Alright, I would start. I would offer Brett Venables, defensive coordinator for Clemson, whatever he wants to come up to the NFL level and be our defensive coach or defensive coordinator. So that's the first thing we're making. We're changing the scheme. We're going with a 4 3. I know we talked a little bit about how you can't do it in season. I think Venables defense is close enough to a hybrid defense that you could get away with making that change through the draft and maybe one free agent signing going into next year. I would th- wouldn't work too much about free agency. Other than bringing in, like I said, maybe one other guy that play a will linebacker role. If you don't want to spend a high draft pick on it, since we need stuff somewhere else, It doesn't have to be a stud. Just somebody that can really run and cover. Unless you think O'Daniel can be it, and hey, Venable's got him to play great in Clemson, so you might already have your guy there too. Then when you're going into the draft, it all depends on what you do with D Ford. I'm in favor of bringing him back. I think Mike Smith has been fantastic for D Ford. I think he loves D Ford. I think D Ford loves him. I don't think it's a contract year thing. I think he just finally has a coach that understands how to coach him or coach in general. So I'd bring back E. Ford. There you have an edge rusher. Then your first three picks in the draft, you're definitely looking at an edge rusher for me, probably an interior defensive lineman because the draft class is loaded. And then a defensive back of some level, I would look more towards safety because I'm not sure what Eric Berry's future is. And it seems like average corners can work for Venable's system, but I'd be fine either way. No names yet. I'll save that so you guys ask me specific questions about players to keep Kent and Craig happy.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, first of all, I am 100% on board with Venables. I was looking at players, but yeah, (laughs) I'm I'm way in on that. I think that that is a slam dunk hire. You don't even need to come into my mentions asking me about (laughs) it. It's a yes. I am on board with signing him. I I think that they do definitely need to target another edge player. I'm not certain that Breland Speaks is going to be an edge player yet. I need to see more before I believe that. Mike Smith, as you know, as Matt said, has been a fantastic addition to the uh to the outside linebackers room there. He's getting the most out of D Ford. Maybe he can get something out of Breland Speaks but I would love to add a guy in a very stacked edge defender class, also in a very stacked interior defensive lineman class. I too am looking safety, but I think corners more of a priority now just because of the depth there and the guys that they have aren't able to really get on the field much. Now granted, the Chiefs corners have been a better part of their defense, but they're not really getting much time out of their young guys. I think they need a few more guys there and they have to have another coverage linebacker i know we talked about maybe reggie Ragland getting a contract extension this offseason all of a sudden that's sort of flipped to maybe he doesn't make it through this next offseason they may need another guy to start up there
0: you guys are both wrong the answer is just to load up on offense and keep pat rolling um no i i think uh i i think priority number one for me in the draft is going to be an edge rusher just because the edge rusher class looks like it's going to be monstrous, and I think there's going to be good value still on the board when the Chiefs pick at 32. Um, and I, I, I think you know, I think it's just investing heavily on the draft in in developing you know defenders from that side of the ball. I think you could take one of those second rounders, trade back, and split it into an extra, you know. Draft pick, you know, maybe have two thirds in a, in a late fourth or something like that. Just, just try to load up on, on as many guys on that side of the ball as you can through the draft. Um, I'm not really, I've, I haven't looked too much at the free agents class that much, um, but I don't remember seeing either a corner or an edge rusher to get too excited about. So, you know, that'll be an interesting thing. But I will say one thing: I think some of these one year prove it deals. Uh, or one-year contracts on talented players on the back end of their career, I think they might be attracted to Patrick Mahomes. So that's something to keep an eye on, too. I think some of these holes can be plugged with good players on the end of their career, uh, trying to win a Super Bowl with Patrick Mahomes. And that's something you're going to want to keep an eye on uh, during uh, the offseason this year. Guys, that's it for this week. We went a little bit long. Uh, thanks for listening. I Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> There's too many good questions. We couldn't cut them. But thanks for listening to the show. And we'll catch you all tomorrow or catch you all next week.
2: Hello. I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation. And I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time